I am whoever I am. And so in the theories that I borrow from, I'm also exploring myself. You know, I'm exploring myself in transition and how I want to also affect change. What is my role? What is my place, you know, to work with change in the world? Hello, everyone. This is another episode of the Design Theory and Methodology podcast series. In this podcast, I'm talking to Grace Turtle, who calls herself a strategic designer and futures research manager. She currently works for Deloitte in Amsterdam in the Netherlands, and she also runs a research studio called Becoming Studio. Grace graduated as an interior designer in Australia in 2009, and since then has gone on a very interesting and I think unique path of working and learning in different places in the world. And she will share some parts of her journey in the interview today. Things she will talk about include the way she uses design and other practices such as futuring, play and embodiment in her work and the many different people, books and other resources that have inspired her work. Grace contacted me after the interview and sent me a message that said I woke up the next day after our conversation and realized I didn't mention adversarial design, discursive design, speculative design and critical design. So I promised Grace that I would mention those to you. So here you go. And maybe we can spend another podcast talking about those other things with Grace. Enjoy listening. Okay, welcome, Grace. Nice to see you again. Hello. (laughs) Nice to see you. So um, we've known each other for a couple of years. We met in, uh, in Sydney when we were both living there through our mutual friend and colleague, Melanie Raymond. And now we both live in the Netherlands. So a bit of a coincidence. I was looking up your LinkedIn profile today. It mentions okay. that you are a strategic designer and futures research manager at Deloitte and that your practice focuses on creating playful conditions for coordinated action and transitions to more or less hopeful futures. So could you explain what that is and, and what the role of design is in your work? So my practice has always been based on different modes of applying research to know things about design. So a traditional or a more common entry point into design is the design of products, services, um, propositions. These are all things that I engage with as well. But more than in most instances, how I use design research is to inform broader transformation projects as well as strategy. So it has not always been explicitly tied to the creation or optimization, modification of a service product or proposition. It has always come in more from Where are we? Who are we? What is changing in the world? And therefore, what do we want to transition towards? And, you know, how that practically links to what value we can deliver to the the people, the organizations, the enterprises we work with is that it helps them make sense of a situation in order to move towards another situation. So it's thinking more broadly which also includes thing, doing things like visioning, trends research, but also doing that with people, 
you know, and this is a common kind of struggle that a lot of designers have in how they define themselves, mm. um, whether they define themselves as a strategic designer or as a service designer or, you know, more commonly right now within Deloitte, most of the design work that we do, what you could have called service design or experience design has now moved more towards proposition design because it is more of a broader spectrum of things that we're engaging with. And more and more it's going into systems design, design for systems change, and even into futuring, you know. And so the, the second piece of this strategic design and futures research is really because to be purposeful about strategy um, if you're really going to change the foundations of the way a community operates, you really need to have a more considered approach or way of thinking about the future that you're trying to create. And that's why I say more or less hopeful, because <laughs> you want to move towards more hopeful futures, but you can't move towards the future without recognizing that there are a lot of uncertainties within that. Um, there's a lot of conflict within that. Whenever I'm doing any kind of futures research or engaging anyone in futuring, in order to kind of create these strategies or ways of transitioning, there is always this recognition of the post-normality, referencing like, you know, this theory around post-normal times and uh, the volatility, et cetera, uh, that we live in every day right now. Mm. Um, that mm. also comes to play. Mm. So it's not just design, whatever design is, but also this idea of uh, futuring seems to be something that you've really developed and you're kind of becoming yep. an expert in. What I was wondering is what's been the path that led you to where you are today? So being trained as designer and today, you know, in this work you're doing with Deloitte and maybe also in your research, focusing more on things like futuring, what got yep. you from studying design to where you are today? Okay, so I've, I feel like I've been on a roller coaster. <laughs> I started my career in interior architecture. And at the time that I was studying, or the time I finished my bachelor degree, uh, I, which I think was 2009, I had read a few books that kind of really set the course for whatever I was going to do and kind of position how I saw the world as a designer, etc. That was uh, Bruce Mao's Massive Change, Cradle to Cradle, which was all about, you know, circularity and uh, design for the 99%. Also reading uh, Paul Hawkins' books on sustainability and etc so sustainability was a really central thing but not just environmental sustainability but social sustainability you know and the reason I, I think I studied interior architecture was because I thought it was a context it was a container through which you could configure a lot of things so I never actually looked at space as four walls lay some carpet, anything like this. It was uh, what are the conditions for creating particular experiences or, or delivering particular outcomes? And what is that if it's engaged with social outcomes? Mm. And so from there, 
I very quickly realized that that's not actually what an interior architect does. <laughs> and I went directly to Pratt Institute in New York where I did some intensive training on the on and it was the first time that this thing was delivered on sustainable design and it was on sustainable design in the most broadest sense. So how do you do things more sustainably looking at all of these these things? very much linked to all of this thinking around massive change, uh, design for the 99%, all of this kind of architect beyond borders stuff. And all of that, you know, at the time, I think the time is very important because it was at, at the time where the, the global financial crisis happened and uh, people had to become a little bit inventive. So you saw this emergence of tactical urbanism. There was an earthquake in Christchurch, this movement around more grassroots there was this organization that kind of spurred from that called gap filler that were doing really place-based tactical things with community and so that was that was immediately where I went in terms of how do you create social change through these place-based activations that became the kind of and still is the the constant in even if I'm working with a large organization or uh, let's say designing the future or transition for public transport or if it's just doing some very specific futuring for a very specific community group that is the constant it's like how do you do this more tactful learning through making play-based engagement to support this kind of embodied change and uh, so from New York I, I went to Colombia and I went to Colombia because there was more of this uh, social urbanism movement going on. And I'm Colombian and I, it felt like uh, the right thing I needed to engage with politically and more on a personal level, more poetically as well, because, uh, because of the kind of, of real grassroots social action movement that was happening there. From there, I went back to Australia and I thought, okay, I'm going to do a master's in this um, because, you know, I want to understand more what it means to engage in social innovation from this kind of place-based urban perspective. So I really focused on that. And the outcome of me going back to do my master's was I started a makerspace and a more community-based education initiative that was called three farm and uh, what we would do is we would go around to schools to libraries we would work with you know different kinds of you know cultural or community-based organizations to help or to create again going back to conditions to create some conditions where types of communities or individuals who wouldn't typically be able to engage with emerging discourse around what is new technology, what is 3D printing, how do you do coding, how do you do this and how do you do it sustainably, give them a platform to be able to engage with that. Mm -hmm. And that makerspace, again, was I wasn't so concerned about the four walls, but what was the conditions within this space that, uh, that created change? And that is what I took to Deloitte. And my, the other things that I practice with right now, which is becoming, which is more of a speculative research practice. And yeah. So this step from a free form to Deloitte, what attracted Deloitte to your work? 
I never intended to work for Deloitte. I never imagined being a, a designer and like I'm a bit of a kind of weird human to be in Deloitte. Um, <laughs> I never imagined working for Deloitte. I was speaking to a man who ran an agency called E2 in Australia and E2 was one of the first kind of spatial strategy studios in Australia so they were doing strategic design but strategic design for the built environment and I was like oh well that's me so we had a conversation and his name's Robbie Robertson he um when we had a conversation he's like I want to start something new which is more looking at the different levels of experience and context and digitization of of the built environment and I said cool let's do something and so we, uh, with a few other people, we started this studio called Mashup. And it, through Mashup, I started applying these, you know, very community-centered ways of designing to designing for specific built environments. And those built environments could be whatever. And one uh, engagement that we had done or that, that had been done in the past was with Deloitte. And Deloitte saw value in blending the physical and the digital, that there isn't so much the need to just design for physical outside of understanding what's the digital services and et cetera that sits around how you engage with place. And so we were acquired by Deloitte to better blend how we would integrate ways of thinking that is place-based, but that also integrates the digital aspect and for me that was incredible when I found that we were going to move into Deloitte the first thing I thought of well I had no idea that Deloitte was an accounting firm I didn't know what that was (laughs) I actually thought they were economists and I was like I love economists I need to work with economists I want to work with actuaries I want to work with people that understand risk in this way that I don't have no idea and that just have this very, very different way of thinking and seeing and approaching the world, that there is something incredibly beautiful in that. And then being in Deloitte means that you have a different lens of of thinking about urban advisory, how you think about place, how do we want to shift the urban fabric? But if you think of urban fabric as context, there are so many different levels um, to that and so many different actors. And so being in Deloitte meant that I was able to separate myself from just designing services or just designing products and then using this way of engaging different actors in the design process at different levels to inform what is this larger transition or change that you're trying to create. Mm. Um, So for me, it was amazing. And then you get to work with some, you know, people that you, as a designer, you would never really work with. Mm. I really love that story. And it's also why I invited you to talk on this podcast series, because it's not such a non-typical design career. Not that there is a, you know, one path (laughs) forwards. But if you're saying, you know, I'm a strategic designer working at Deloitte, a lot of my students, they will be like, oh, great. Because, you know, that's a lot. I know a lot of the students, that's kind of their ambition, right? They want to be a strategic designer at Deloitte, particularly our strategic product design uh, students. But that's not actually what you were thinking when you were a student. No. So, <laughs> so all these choices that you make, 
is it possible for you to explain kind of what what guides you in making these choices? Like, how do you get to, you know, the next step kind of in your, your career, mm. in your thinking? I think you have to be really humble. I think, you know, coming out of university, I was like, design is going to change the world. Design is like super important. And because you have this thing of everything is designed, that means everything is designed. But it takes you a minute. Designers need to get off their pedestal for a minute and realize they're just one node. They're just one way to achieve an outcome. If you're a designer engaged in social innovation or community practice or trying to basically improve the world, which I think most designers want to do, you have to acknowledge that there are also other practitioners uh, and experts in their own fields at doing those things. So you need to be able to step aside for a minute and uh, understand the context that you are operating in and who also is in that context and how you can best work with them. I've been at uh, Deloitte for five years now and it takes a minute for an organization like Deloitte to actually understand the value of design and the potential of design to affect change within this kind of organization to ultimately deliver transformative change, which is what they want. Now, the practice in the Netherlands, Deloitte in the Netherlands, is 100% focused on delivering change that leads to positive social, planetary and business outcomes. Now, there are individuals and teams with very deep-rooted expertise in data and analytics in financial advisory, how to actually do financial inclusion in a way that a designer does not understand. There are policy experts that understand how to transform policy in a way that a designer doesn't understand. But if you as a designer are able to understand how do I work with these others and how do I make myself fit within the means of transformation, then you're able to actually see the, what is the change that you can deliver. And it takes time. There are particular things that I've done in my career in Deloitte that have been, you know, aha moments, not for myself, but for others. Like, oh, I get it now. That's always going to be the case in an organization like this where design is seen as, oh, can you make it beautiful? Um, and can you make it beautiful is, is not what design does. It does things with beauty, maybe, but it's not the outcomes that we deliver. And so you can, you know, in some of the work that I've been doing recently in kind of transferring some of the more design futures research and work that I was doing in Australia to the Netherlands, they already have a practice that looks to the future to make decisions today to make strategic choices today to, to help businesses decide where they want to go how they do that is not in a, a designerly way but they are experts in doing that they are experts in understanding what is at every level of this organization what is the change that needs to occur how do we respond to xyz to be able to blah 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 but then if you introduce some participatory design, if you introduce more designerly ways of engaging with diverse organizations that have 
people all around the world that you want to engage them in making and shaping that strategy that will ultimately impact everything that they do in how they deliver their business or their mission, whatever, then, you know, the organization can see, wow, I didn't know that design could deliver this kind of impact or deliver change in this way. So for me, yeah, the designers to work in, in this way, you really have to step aside, be empathetic for people that just simply don't understand design and so you, you've explained quite well that, you know, you're always very aware of your context and also what's happening in the world. Like you were saying, you know, the, at the time with GFC, you know, you were very aware of these things happening and how that was impacting the world. You're very aware of the people around you, the context you work in, and also, you know, you kind of have to know yourself. So yeah. the, the course we are teaching is about design theory and methodology. Do you use particular methods or theories in your work i mean you've mentioned already quite a lot of things that have uh, inspired you uh, in your work but from, from the perspective of, of, of design methods the main thing i think for me has always been learning through making as a means to do your research so you know starting in, in australia we had a really beautiful uh research practice that we built because we had you know an anthropologist, a behavioral psychologist, the behavioral scientists, and, and myself more from the kind of learning through making way of doing things. And so through that, we, we did a lot of ethnographic research, pure ethnographic research. Uh, but then more and more, we started introducing more ethnographic futures research as a, as a methodology. And, and so the way that I will typically approach anything um, is not starting from blank. So you start with trends research to understand what is the change. Then we use that because, again, like all of the, the stuff that I do is, has kind of productive input to use in the kind of co-design or participatory design uh, ways of doing it's like you don't start from nothing you start with what are the things what are the ingredients that we're going to bring into the design process and you give that to participants as provocations so within that we will do a lot of uh, cultural probes we will do we'll send people on missions a lot of what I do has to do with kind of very active play so what is the ingredients for a play then what do they do can you explain a little bit more? Because you, you use the term active play. What does that mean? I'll give you a very concrete example. Great. So for a future of transport thing, we started with going and doing shadowing. We did, you know, we hung out with a bunch of people. We went with them wherever they went in the city. We understood, we built up some base level insight on how people are engaging with the city and public transport, what were there beliefs, values, et cetera, around that. Uh, but then simultaneously, we did some trends research, expert interviews with looking very broadly, you know, at physical infrastructure, also digital infrastructure, green infrastructure on what are the changes that are occurring. And so we will take all of that insight and then turn it into a game. So we will then kind of create a condition where these people from a particular context are able to 
use this kind of emerging knowledge or, you know, signals to create a city they want. Um, but given particular boundaries or context based on the insight that we've learned from them uh, already, then we reset. We reset the game, we reset the table, uh, and then we continue to build new insight into how that system is working. So eventually you get to a level of concept detail that has been co-designed, but then is also, so it goes less from generative research and go an exploratory to evaluative. And in the evaluative research, it would be more, you turn everything that has been set in that table that has been co-created with, you know, however many people, usually it's like, I don't know, you know, a hundred, something like this. And you'll make like a virtual reality experience of that. So then it becomes more provocation, more fiction of what the future could be, but it's all been based on not what I've said, not on pure research, but on an amalgamation of here's the insight that we learned from people mixed with here is what we're seeing from everywhere else and it's been evaluated through these different lenses and that way of thinking or acting and acting sensing the future is based on to some degree a concept called theory u which takes you you know from sensing to presencing to ultimately becoming because the key thing for me that I try to, because in most of these engagements, because you're engaging with such a diverse group of actors, very different levels from like the citizen level to, you know, the head of infrastructure for blah, blah. You want them all to be able to feel that process of I've sensed it, I've felt it, and I'm ready to enact a new way of being. Because if they don't embody that transformation, then the next step is not going to necessarily happen. So it really, it's not just about bringing people together to create this new image, but you really have to go into the guts of every step of what is the thing that we're trying to transform and do you embody that at where you are able to influence anything? Yeah. Super interesting. I think we could do a whole podcast just just about that idea of uh, embodiment. What I wanted to ask is, so this sounds like a really quite um, sophisticated practice and methodology that you developed and you uh, you mentioned uh, CVU and uh, Otto Sharma's work, I think, in this. Yes. And how do you keep developing this practice and what role does theory play in this development? So for me, I'm I'm always... You know, you, you mentioned in the beginning, I kind of play in, in two very different worlds and they're always influencing each other slightly, one more than another. My role in Deloitte is very different to my role in the collective that I also operate Becoming, which is a lot more speculative. It's a lot more theoretical. It's a lot more of an artistic practice, but it gives signals for how you can do something in a comfortable way in, in Deloitte, which is still trying to expand the boundaries of what is possible within that context. And that is like a, there's like a bit of a fine art and balance in, in doing that. But within Becoming, 
studio and the work that we do there, we are deeply engaged with theory. And so the theory that I engage with there right now, it is very much around queer theory, feminist theory, post-human theory, theory of becoming uh, ontological design. And all of this kind of ways of thinking and engaging with the world, moving beyond kind of human centricity, influences the structure of how I think and how I do things in whatever context. And more and more, you know, over the last uh, few years, with this idea of kind of um, within the queer, you know, feminist post-human studies and theories that, that I've been thinking about, there is this kind of central theme that I've been engaging with around performativity and the body, which is really rooted in kind of how do you embody change? How do you embody becoming otherwise? How do you become otherwise from where you are in proximity to what is okay for you to deal with at that time? And so the, the understanding or the inquiry around embodied practices and performativity, I borrow a lot from, from things like theatre of the oppressed and other forms of actual physical, you know, LARP, you know, live action role play. All of these kind of very deeply performative embodied practices, I borrow things from them to create conditions for change. Yeah, what I think is super, uh, super interesting is that, you know, you borrow theories from yes. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Really? Yeah, but that's great. You know, you're not, you know, fixated to one des- domain or just design as a domain, but just, you know, really looking at what, what's useful in, you know, what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We also work collaboratively with another transition design organization or cooperative based in Barcelona called Holon. And uh, Holon uh, considers the cooperative as like a, a work family and everything that we do is can very much considered as kind of we are designers in transition. We are also in transition and we are trying to enact transitions. And so you need to see yourself in the practice that you are trying to create, which, you know, I think you mentioned before. And so for me, I'm a queer, you know, bicultural woman who has, you know, I am whoever I am. And so in the theories that I borrow from, I'm also exploring myself. You know, I'm exploring myself in transition and how I want to also affect change. What is my role? Um, what is my place, you know, to work with change in the world? Um, so that's, that's probably why I am particularly interested in some theories. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's beautiful. Thanks so much. To finish up, do you have any... Um advice for uh, for our students who are kind of at the start of their uh, design career? I think all of the designers that I work with that, you know, have come straight out of design school and Delft. <laughs> I, I think it's really important to listen, um, to be a sponge. Listen, you learn by doing. 
try to hear or consider other perspectives and ways of understanding, I think is even more important now because the reality is there is so much polarization. There is so much cultural conflict and ideological conflict. And that is actually productive. That conflict can be incredibly productive if you if you know how to engage with it. So, yeah, and you think you want one thing and it turns out to be another thing. So it's a journey. You have to play. You have to experiment. <laughs> if it's anything I've learned, it's that you just keep experiment. If you keep experimenting and learn by doing, then then you're good. You just have to reflect. You just have to use a design process on yourself, you know? Yes. <laughs> thank you. Well, thanks so much, Grace. Thank you for uh, sharing your beautiful story and sharing your work. Thanks. Pleasure. Thank you.